South of the Six podcast, bringing you the latest on your favorite Toronto sports teams from south of the Canadian border. Here's your host, Adam Corsair. Hey, 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 don't look now, but the Raptors are tied for the second seed in the Eastern Conference. Welcome to the South of the Six podcast. We are part of the StadiumScene.tv network, and we are part of the Overtime Media crew. So yeah, last night with the Raptors beating the Knicks, <coughs> barely, <coughs> and the Miami Heat falling to the Los Angeles Clippers, Kawhi Leonard did us another solid, and the Toronto Raptors are now tied for the second seed, although they still sort of remain in third place. There's a whole lot of Toronto Raptors talk that we're going to break down, and joining me to do so is Ryan Grossman of LaceSports.ca. Ryan, what's going on, man? Uh, not bad. I'm having a pretty good week um maybe nurse not so much i mean using <laughs> pat mccaw there i don't know <laughs> I, I, I don't know how he goes on how, how how does he continue to win without the three-time champ i don't know you could tell last night and it's <laughs> it's worth noting that we're recording this saturday afternoon you could tell last night that nick nurse was in clear shambles and clear yeah. disarray as to how he's going to scratch out this win without yeah. patrick mccaw but the good news is that uh Looks to just be a broken nose, and he should be back hopefully by Sunday. For his sake, hopefully by Sunday. Yeah, like I think you, you tweeted about this. We never want to see that happen to a player, obviously. No. no. But uh, it was kind of nice not to see 25 minutes of Pat McCaw. <laughs> yeah, and TD got uh, a pretty decent run. And, you know, we, we talked about that at length uh, last week. I'm sure you know this already, but for those yeah. that don't, like we, we <laughs> sort of ripped into Patrick McCaw. A just a bit. little. Yeah. <laughs> It's a little bit too hard, but you know, it's some of it uh, not undeserving. But you're right. I think when it comes to the human aspect of the game, you never want to see someone get hurt. You never want to see someone miss time due to injury. I'd rather yeah. it was more of an evaluation of yes. uh, his efforts on the court that led to his absence. But hey, we can't we can't be uh, can't all choose the fate. But I hope for a speedy recovery for him, and I also hope that Nick Nurse saw something in Terrence Davis last night that encourages him to use him more than Patrick Bacaw moving forward. Yeah, exactly. Um, so first of all, regarding last week, I do want to note that we did get really good feedback from last week's episode. I even mentioned on the show that I anticipated it to be a little bit controversial, uh, <laughs> although we did get great feedback i also want to note that i did have my fair share of uh spewers out there telling me to sit down when it came to the patrick mccall talk look i'm not going to defend it i'm not going to uh rehash it i just don't understand what people have seen in him because when i've asked for evidence people don't really supply it they just give me a plus minus and that to me that's just not enough i need to see more than a than a plus minus stat i need to see some uh some more in terms of his his efforts on the floor, I need to see some more tangible footage that has just not been provided for me. But whether or not you stand on my side or the other side of the Patrick McCaw uh, issue or lack thereof, in your opinion, if that is your opinion, I appreciate the downloads and I appreciate the listens. And if you're listening to this one for the first time and you want to check out the episode that I'm referring to, dig back into the archives. It's there. And uh, while you're at it, why don't you give this episode five stars and a quick little review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us make it helps make this podcast more accessible to those that are looking for Raptors content. And while you're at it, if you're on like r slash Toronto Raptors, you can blow up the Reddit boards with this podcast. It helps it also make it more accessible to those that are looking for Raptors content. And obviously those that are there are looking for it. 
So uh, yeah, let's let's just dive right into this. Uh, last night's game against New York, not pretty. Were you one of the few that were uh, worried about the outcome, Ryan? Um, no, they, obviously they never make it easier for themselves. You figure <laughs> going into New York and no RJ Bear and um, you know the as I was watching, I was. Um, thinking, you know, they're going to have their typical. Oh, they're starting off slow, and then they're going to they're going to win this in the end. I wasn't, I wasn't scared. It was, it was, it was in the it was in the bag. It just takes them a while to get going sometimes. It's a frustrating first quarter. That's for damn sure, yeah. right? And you know, I, you know, my smart ass self made the mistake of tweeting out before the game something to the effect of, ah, oh, man, I love easygoing games for the Raptors, right? Especially, <laughs> you, you know, you cursed it. Yeah, I did. I, yeah. I reversed shanks it. Like, I'm yeah. on the couch just chilling, and, you know, after a long day of work, you know, you got a drink in your hand, 7.30, and just Friday night, and obviously, like, I don't go out. I don't do things, right? I'm a parent, right? And uh, I'm just chilling on my couch. I'm like, oh, this is going to be a relaxing evening. This is exactly what I need right now. Of course, the Raptors don't, you know, possibly make that happen. Even though I wasn't worried about the outcome, uh, it just reminds me that I don't know if this team, and I kind of wanted to get your take on it. I don't know if the Raptors are not fully exerting themselves into these kind of games because they're saving their energy for later down the line, i.e. the playoffs. Maybe that's something that Kawhi Leonard has taught them during his tenure here. Or if it's just like it takes a while for them to truly gel and to truly become killers in the fourth quarter. What do you think? What do you think their position is on this? I think it's it's a combination of things. You saw the 76ers game too. They started off slow. It's just, I think, one, getting back. You know, everyone finally healthy, knock on wood. So everyone kind of getting back and getting nurse kind of figuring out the rotations. Uh, two, I think it's partially the... The defense that the defensive schemes kind of like they have that scrambling, kind of trapping, doubling defense, which kind of leaves them open to those rebounds, which we saw last night. Yeah. The Knicks game, there was so many second chance points they gave up. It was it was just nuts. They, but I think it's partially because maybe they do need. We can get this later in terms of, you know, trade talks. But I think their rebounding issues might be overstated just because of. It's mostly, I think, because of the defense. Yeah. Uh, third thing, um, I think, is especially in the last two games, um, the actually no, sorry, the Philly game and last night's game is the size. I, I still, I know, I know uh, Van Vliet. He's de- definitely deserves a start. He's good enough. He's proved it. But I think there's just an issue with starting two six foot guards. I think uh, Powell needs to start. Uh, we can go into this more later, but Powell, I think, should be starting just to give him a little bit extra size. Especially in the, the Philly game, I noticed they started off the first quarter poorly, and they started off the third quarter poorly. Like, what's the what's the connection there? They're starting with this two six foot you know guard backcourt, which it's just in this today's league. There's just how many teams can you do that against? You know? Yeah, I think that. All right, so when you when you look at the lineup, right, and we we can, you know, dive headfirst into this if you want. When you look at the lineup and the way the starting lineup is constructed, uh, Nick Nurse has said to the media that he's willing to be fluid and willing to experiment with a few things when it comes to the uh, the starting lineup. I have no issues with that. Um, if someone wants to tell me that they want to give Norman Powell a chance, 
coming into the starting lineup in place of a say an OG and an Obi. Um, I'm a little bit more comfortable with that now than I was maybe last week uh, when I recorded the previous episode, only because, look, this isn't a knock on Norm. It's more that I thought Norman Powell might be beneficial and has been beneficial coming off the bench, and I kind of just don't want to fuck with that. Like, I don't really want to mess with that chemistry because he's been playing so well. He's just been lights out and just a joy to watch. But on the flip side, when you look at someone like OG Ananobi, and again, not to pick on him, but there's just something a little off when it comes to OG and Anobi, especially last night's game against New York. And again, another reverse jinx of mine. Like I, I tweeted out, I'm not comfortable with OG in these closing tight game situations. And then he has like a, a corner three that was absolutely clutch in a clutch steal as well. So I'm just like, all right, well, I guess this is why. And I get the defense. I get the defensive upside. I guess that's why you want to emphasize in, in close games. You want a strong defender specifically on the wings, but I just, I don't know. I, I don't know if if by inserting Norman Powell, say, into the starting lineup and removing OG and Anobi, sort of flipping them, um, does that, it, it sort of removes a little bit of size, too, and it doesn't solve the issue of, of the guard situation that you're talking about, but maybe it does give the, the Raptors a little bit more of an offensive presence. The problem is, is you're right, the second chance opportunities may still be an issue because the rebounding, especially the defensive rebounding for the Raptors, has just been absent. Yeah, I think if you're gonna if you're gonna put uh, sorry if you're gonna put a Powell in the starting lineup, it would be for Van Vliet. Like you said, if if it is for OG, I think then you're you're getting super small, and also I think their defense. You know, although Powell's a good defender, he's not the defender that OG is. I think really at this point, he's he's the fifth option in the right. starting lineup. So like whatever you get from him is bonus i mean he, he started off the season so well we're like oh he's you know he's making that uh siakam leap this year and then like he's he's really tailed off kind of the last i think he had like a, a zero he put up a zero in the i can't remember which game it was it was a lantern philly game that he, had, he put up a zero and then he pretty much was stapled to the bench for you know for good reason mm. um but yeah like obviously we've seen that nurse prefers these high upside defensive guys which is why he, keeps playing uh McCaw because he trusts him on, on defense. But um I think starting OG is fine. I have no problem with that. I like I like his size at the three. And I I just think that you're maximizing Powell by starting him. I think he plays much better with uh guys like Larry and um um Gasol. Like they they're just their playmaking they they set up they set uh, oh, oh, sorry, they set Powell up really well on the, on the offensive end, and then you're you're putting Van Vliet on the bench where he can run the second unit. You can sub in for for uh, for Larry, and like they don't have to like screw up the rotations that much that way. And you're also having Van Vliet as a true backup guard. You you the benefit of that is seeing less McCaw there, so you you don't have to see McCaw as point guard, right? Which would I think everyone would be would favor of. Right, right. And, you know, although that does sound appeasing to me, like I, I have no issues with that whatsoever. Um, do the concerns that I brought up to you previously, the, specifically the ones I had last week regarding not wanting to mess with the run that Norman Powell is, is having right now, do you think inserting him into the starting lineup would sort of minimize that or be a detriment to the feel that he's having right now? Because that's my main concern. Like everything in basketball is super situational. Yeah. 
right? And maybe he's the type of player that thrives off the bench. We've seen it. We've seen it with, with a lot of players. Look at Lou Williams, right? And I, I don't know. I'm not saying that Norman Powell's necessarily at that level. He's certainly not right now. But maybe in terms of how the Toronto Raptors roster is constructed, maybe he, he personally is better served off the bench. But the issue is that, say, let's say that we do insert Powell for a Van Vliet, right? Let's just yeah. say we, we make yeah. that change. This doesn't necessarily solve the second chance opportunities issue, though. This doesn't solve the no. rebounding woes. So, no. like, are maybe how how do you feel? I know, like, the Ibaka Marcusal smelling is really convenient for this team. Like, it's a, it's a nice luxury to have. But we have seen them start in games before together. Is that completely off the table for you? The the super big lineup. Yeah. Um, which I, I call the the T Rex lineup. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Um, well, yeah, I mean, if certain teams, specifically Philly, who mm-hmm. obviously we know, even without B, they're, and B, they're still huge. And with and B, they're even bigger. So, yeah, for certain matchups, I can see that working. And definitely if they play you know, 76ers in the playoffs, I think uh, I can see Nurse going to that lineup pretty early, um, maybe even from game one on. But, um, yeah, I guess it depends on matchups. Like New York... The Knicks are pretty big too, which is I think why they were struggling a little bit. Like Knicks have, you know, sixty power forwards, so <laughs> they, they've collected them all and they and they put them out there. Mm-hmm. So they're they're struggling a little bit. I think it's it's less of the the rebounds I'm concerned about in terms of size, more of the offense. I think especially the that Philly game there, like every time they went on a run, it seemed like it was only it was one of Lowry or Van Vliet were on the floor, not both of them. Right. So like right. they they kind of came back in that Philly game in the second and then like late in the third and into the fourth and mostly, and that during the time that's when nurse had split up the two guards. So I think just having like a small backcourt against big teams, like it, it causes their offense to suffer just because it's harder to get open shots. We saw it in the playoffs last year, obviously family right. against the you know 76 years, you couldn't get a shot off. You know, this year I think he's done, He's had actually good games against 76ers, but I think a lot of his damage is done when Laurie wasn't on the floor. And like that first game that they beat Philly, when he scored whatever it was, like 20, whatever, six points, Van Vliet, uh, Laurie actually wasn't playing that game. So uh, he was out of that game. So I think that helped. Just, yeah, just just more. And having OG at the three, Powell at the the two, and then Laurie at the one, I think that's going to give him more size. So we're just past the halfway mark of the season. <clears throat> and like as I mentioned at the jump of the show, the Raptors are tied for the second seed in the Eastern Conference. Technically, they're in third place because the Heat have beaten them twice. So, you know, they're still on a six-game winning streak. They're still, you know, playing rather well. And I think, uh, I think we, it's one of the, I think one of those games, I think we fielded a G League team. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically, you know, and yeah, yeah. The Miami Heat, like to their credit, like they they lost Jimmy Butler last night towards the end of that game. It was rather close at some point, um, yeah, so, but yeah. Kawhi Leonard was able <clears throat> to uh, to take over that game. And congratulations to him for getting his first career triple double, which that was something yeah. I had to make a double take about. But surprising, yeah, I know, but crazy. It was surprising until I thought about like how he never he was never an assist guy until the last couple of years, really. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's true. He he pretty much had to take over it himself, but. You know, yeah, better um, chance of getting ten steals and ten assists for the last. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. Um, 
But, you know, with with the, the lineup construction that we're talking about right now, is there anything else that concerns you halfway through the season that you would like the Raptors to sort of clean up and to sort of address, uh, whether it be via, you know, internal roster construction or via the trade deadline or what have you? Is there anything moving forward that you really would like them to address so they can really make a strong playoff push? Well, we talked about the rebounding. I mean, they still do have rebounding issues. I just think it's not as bad as people think just because they're they're often out of position. So like when they're trapping and they're doing their zones and they're boxing ones and all the things there's loves to do, like mm-hmm. once the ball goes up, like they don't really have a man to kind of to like, you know, box out. So they're kind of scrambling which causes, you know, open rebounds for the for the opposing team. So um and I'm I'm also not willing to give up Ibaka Grisal and all the things that they bring you know, for a Thompson or a Drummond. Like, those names have come up a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think both Thompson and Drummond are both downgrades and they're, and they're both uh, expiring. I, I thought Thompson had a couple more years left, but I was looking last night. Thompson's contract is also expiring. So you're not really gaining anything by trading, say, Ibaka for Drummond or Thompson because it's just another expiring contract. And it's also, like, they're more, you know, one-dimensional than... Ibaka is Ibaka at least gives you defense, offense, shoot block shots. Um, where you know Thompson Drummond are more kind of rebound. You know Drummond gives you offense too, but his his defense is really lacking, and he's slow. He's kind of like JV was a couple of years ago, but like a better rebounding J you know JV really. So right. we, we've already seen that. Um, so I don't know. What do you think? Did like. Yeah, I think the rebounding is is the biggest need. Otherwise, I don't really see, you know, them really needing needing anything. Yeah, I think that, like as we've been, you know, touching on the the second chance opportunities that the Raptors, you know, give up are is what really killing them. It's what's really, you know, putting them at a disadvantage and making close games that shouldn't be close. Um, and making that you know something that the Raptors may be stressing about. I'm not sh- quite sure yet. And like I said in the beginning, I don't know if this is an issue of them sort of, you know, not fully exerting themselves. Maybe they're trying to save some gas for the playoffs. Maybe that's what they've learned. You know, last year was sort of anomaly when it comes to how the Raptors have operated in the regular season versus the postseason, right? In previous postseasons and the regular season, the Raptors seem to be going 100% every single game. And I'm not saying they're not trying now. I'm just saying maybe they've learned something about you know, keeping something in their back pockets for the playoffs, whether that means for scheming, whether that means exerting their bodies, I don't know. But certainly, like, counter to that point, my own point right there is that, like, these 39 to 40 minutes that Lowry and Van Vliet are running it aren't doing them any favors. So, um, But anyways, the second chance opportunities, the rebounding is a huge thing. Um, but I, I, I just don't know. I, I don't know if that's something that they're going to address when it comes to the trade deadline. And we'll get into that in a bit, but you know, halfway through the season, considering the injuries, considering the fact that a lot of the, the major pieces of this roster were absent for an extended period of time, the Raptors have been more than holding their head above water, right? And like I said, we're, they're tied for the second seed in the East. And if you would have told me that, you know, at certain points, Ibaka were going to be down, Gasol was going to be down, Lowry's going to be down, Van Vliet was going to be down, Pascal Siakam was going to be down, Norman Powell were going to be down. 
And I guess Patrick McCall is going to be Taylor. <laughs> um, I would have been like, well, we're, we're fucked, right? We're, we're obviously going to be sellers at the deadline because like that, that is way too much of a detriment for the Raptors to overcome. But here we are. Like we're, we're, we're tied for the second seed in the Eastern Conference with the Miami Heat, right? We have a, we're 31 and 14, which is very good. I think it's very close to where we were at this time last year. And they're on a six-game winning streak. And yes, like everybody but McCaw is healthy on this team right now. But you just got to be encouraged with the grit and determination that this Raptors team has been exhibiting. Because, you know, like, like I said, had I told you that all those guys were going to be injured at sprinkling moments of this, of this season, I think you would have been on the same page. Yeah, just, just before we go on with that point, I just want to say, isn't it great? It's like the best thing about all this, about all the injuries and you know how they've won through all the injuries pretty much at times fielding a g league team like i said <laughs> um the, the best thing about it is when like another team's stars go down or like players like like the 70 like 76ers like they lost richardson in that game they already were missing a bead like as a raptors fan we can be just be like i don't give a fuck like right. like we went through hell like figure it out like we did we right. even we even beat philly the first time without debaca and larry that was the zero, the zero point in beat game. So, like, we, we just, it's, it puts us in a position where we just have no sympathy for any other team. It's like, deal with it. Yeah. No, I'm with you. <laughs> so, yeah. Go ahead. No, that's all. I, I, all right. I, I do think that teams, like, especially when, when you have players that aren't playing, whether it's due to load management or, or injuries, and they're not, the, the team itself isn't performing well. It just shows that maybe this team is one-dimensional. Maybe the the key ingredient to all this is Nick Nurse and his view on versatility. Well, like to your point of like where they are right now, um, I don't know. Like, are you are you actually surprised? I'm surprised. I'm not surprised that they're they are where they are. Thirty-one to fourteen, tie for second. I kind of this is where I expect them to be. Just surprised about how they got there because, like you said, all the injuries. And like everyone pretty much but Davis and OG missing extended time and and like the US, you know, the US media obviously it's well known now, <clears throat> Sam Mitchell, before the <laughs> before the uh Dennis Scott, before the before the you know the season started, they they all had him finishing, you know, at the bottom of the east, pretty much. Or outside it. Uh, outside of it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and for us, I think I don't know where I had him finishing third. I'm not sure where I think you had him pretty much the same. Yeah. Second or third, second or third. Yeah. So like for me, looking back on like this last year's team and this year's team, it was more like why I thought they finished third is, you know, the continuity, the the championship experience that they've had, their defense, which is, which is a big thing. Uh, their record last year without Leonard is not, it's not all the all, the all and be all, but it is a telling stat. And also, like you just said, Nick Nurse and his kind of outside the box thinking. I think all those things combined is uh, just why I thought, even though they lost Green and they lost Leonard, that it wouldn't be as big a deal as people thought it would be. It's an encouraging sign. It's something that I think that when we reflect on, because this is, I feel, the impulse of all Raptors fans, and it's sort of natural to do so. Um, you know, reflecting on whether or not this team is up to par compared to last year or whether it's just as entertaining or just as fun or just as exciting, what have you, whatever adjective you want to use. Um, I, I do think that there's something to this team that's constant. There's something to this team that's, that's sort of 
reverbing from last year, and that's their their determination. I yeah. think, as I mentioned, the the missing well, not the missing like the key ingredient is is Nick Nurse and his versatility. But um, well, they they just don't give up. Often we see them they'll come back in the game like that that thirty point comeback. Yeah, it's just it's just nuts. Like they just they just don't give up. You know, and they learned that like you said from last year, kind of from uh, Leonard seeing how he plays and. I think Lowry's always been that way. He, you know, he gives max effort all the time, diving for balls, uh, sacrificing his body. Um, and again, like we're talking, we're talking regular season. I think we said this on the, our, our last podcast when we we're talking about how well they're playing and how well the season is going. Again, we're talking about regular season, where Leonard, you know, not having Leonard wouldn't be that much an issue. Once we get into the playoffs, that's a whole different story, you know, in terms of having that number one guy, you know. Can Siakam be that guy we saw last night? Was a promising sign. He he had those two big baskets at the end of the game uh, against New York. He had that big three, and there was like that drive he had, the dunk, mm. which kind of finished the game off. So that's that's a good sign. Can he keep that up? We don't know. But uh, yeah, we're talking about regular season in terms of you know this team being as good as last year's. Well, that's an excellent segue, and uh, let's put a pin in it right there. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about Pascal Siakam. Stay tuned. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, so Pascal Siakam is not only going to his first All-Star game, but he's also slated to start it. Um, he becomes the first 27th overall pick in NBA history to be voted in as an all-star starter. He's the third 27th overall pick to ever be an all-star, and the last to do so was Dennis Rodman in 1992. Thank you, Josh Lewenberg. <laughs> and first G-leaguer. Yes, yes, first G-leaguer as well, yeah. Um, yeah. He finished second among the front court players in fan voting, which holds a 50% weight. He was third in player vote and fourth in media vote. No surprise there. Each carrying mm-hmm. 25% of the weight for all-star selection. Uh, for a guy that didn't start playing basketball until he was 16, this is an incredible story. And again, this is the seventh time that a Raptor will start an all-star game, so chop it up. Does this accelerate him into Raptors legend status, or are we not quite there yet? Because like I said, this is a guy that has only been playing basketball really for a handful of years professionally. Like this is quite the acceleration. Does this excel him in your mind in Raptors legend status? Um, I'm going to go with it. Not quite there yet. <laughs> um, in terms of, I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't want to downplay this at all. Right. But like in terms of making the all-star game, like I don't really put too much stock into that. It's, it's kind of like a half a season's worth of data. Like a player could get like super hot to start the season and that kind of carries them over into the, to the all-star status. Uh, plus, you know, it's easier right now or the last, you know, last little while, the East has kind of been weaker than the West. So it's a little bit easier in the East right. to make the, the starter. Like would he have made it in the West? I don't, I don't think so. But, uh, you know, and it's it's no coincidence that like DeRozan was in like in four or five straight All Star games in the East, and then like when he goes over the West, although he's still you know DeRozan, he's still a decent player. He's not making the West team. It's just different competition. No. So no. I, I think I think of All NBA selection as more of a telling kind of sign of a, of a how good a player is. 
So it kind of takes the whole season mm-hmm. and the whole league into account. But that being said, uh, this is an amazing story and like it shouldn't be overlooked. I think, I don't think enough is being made of it. How kind of his meteoric rise, like you mentioned, he's the first G leaguer to be named all-star starter. And what was it been like? He, I think, was he been playing for like in the league 3.5 years, three just and a half about. years? Yeah, yeah. Just about. And like you said, he started playing when he was 16, 17. So from three and a half years ago, he's gone from, you know, 27th pick to, to G League champ to like high energy uh, bench player or role player, secondary scorer. Then, then they went to, uh, you know, most improved player to now this year being the, the go-to guy to all-star starter. So I don't think that ever has happened before <laughs> in like the history of the NBA. Right. That short a period of time to kind of have that kind of career arc. Uh, and like if he was playing, I mean, we say this all the time because, you know, he's in Toronto, maybe he doesn't get the pub he deserves. If he was playing on the Lakers, would this be the top story from now until like the All-Star game? <laughs> you know, quite honestly, though, if he was on the Lakers, would he have this type of run? Like, I do think a lot of these things are situational and obviously mm-hmm. the perfect mix. Like we we touched on it, you know, in the previous segment, we touched on the the this ingredient of Dick Nurse. I don't know that, Pascal Siakam would have reached this type of ceiling had it not been for Nick Nurse and the versatility and the, and the confidence, right? Because when he was playing under Dwayne Casey, sure, he was still young and sure, he was still raw. He obviously didn't have this in him when he was playing under Casey, but like, I don't, we know how much Dwayne Casey was all about the veterans, right? It took him forever yeah. to remove Damari Carroll out of the starting lineup in the playoffs. So I don't know if in a different situation, Pascal Siakam would reach these heights. No, it's it's uh, it's something I thought about. Like, if he was on another team, would he still be the same way? Like, it's something I think about with like Leonard as well. I mean, like, if if he wasn't on the Spurs, would he have kind of been the same player if he if the Pacers never traded him? Right. Uh, like, it's partly organization, partly the player, partly opportunity. Uh, you know, the same thing with Van Vliet, kind of getting that opportunity to show your skills. Uh, at the same time, I think it's kind of within the player to kind of, you know, push himself to have that drive. And I think he has it. And I think I see it. I see it a lot more in players who, you know, who haven't been the, who haven't been the best their entire life. Who haven't always been like on every time they're on the court, they're the best player. So the guys like Steve Nash, who've had to, Work their asses off. Who weren't like who weren't highly recruited? Who played kind of for lesser known colleges? You know, had to work their ass off to make the league, and then they like, keep working on their game every year. So unlike like a Wiggins, where Wiggins was always the best, yeah. you know, kind of once you got into the league, he just kind of like, eh, I'm good enough to get by on my talent alone. I don't have to add to my game every year. You know, whereas Siakam is clearly every year, every off season, you know. Like DeRozan, he's added he's added something to his game, and like and very very you know quickly <laughs> too. Yeah, right. So when, I think when it, when it came from DeRozan, those steps that he would improve were sort of incremental, whereas mm-hmm. Pascal Siakam, like it's a giant leap when it comes to giant, how well yeah. he's been accelerating. Continue. Yeah, it was, he was just before he was just like kind of that energy guy off the bench who, who was good in transition, who could get like an outlet pass and dunk it and. Now he's doing spin moves and Dirk, move, <laughs> Dirk moves off one leg as the one-legged jumpers and yeah. three-point shots. It's, it's just crazy. <laughs> I, 
I don't mean to be condescending to those that are listening to this when I say that it, I don't know that the gravity of this type of situation is being talked about enough or is being really like grasped here. But that's and, what I meant by like if he was on the Lakers, like not in terms of opportunity, but if he was the same player getting the same opportunity in the Lakers, just in terms of the publicity. You right. Get. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think it would be much more talked about. And, you know, say what you want about whether or not Jimmy Butler deserved this over Pascal Siakam, this spot. Um, it just shows the type of growth and the acceleration, not to you know continue to use that word when it comes to Pascal Siakam, but that's the best word I can find to describe him. Like, it's, it's uncanny, right? This is a guy that, you know, was seeking a different profession at one point, right? And this wasn't even his number one sport at one point. Like, he was a soccer head. Um, yeah. so for him to, to come into this league and to come into this game first, right. And then come into this league as a late selection. Well, not really late, like 27th overall, but still like a later selection and have Masai Ujiri be pretty much burned by basketball heads out there saying like, I don't know what you're seeing in this Pascal Siakam kid. I think he got it like a D minus grade for the draft grade. Completely ignoring that, trusting of his course. gut, yeah, you know, <laughs> trusting his eyes and his intuition. I'm not saying Masai Ujiri knew that this type of potential was in Pascal Siakam. Like we sort of like to romanticize about that type of stuff, but you know, and again, not taking anything away from Masai, but like I don't know that anybody had this much growth on the radar when it came to Pascal Siakam. No, but I mean, I think he, you can see the pattern of guys he goes after, like high IQ guys, really mature. I think like Van Vliet was a four-year guy. So kind of like people who have some polish or like at least, you know, have some uh, game already coming into the league. Uh, but like Siakam, I guess he saw, you know, something like the intangibles beyond the skills, kind of like just that the willingness to always get better, kind of like that drive that, you know, that uh, Leonard has who mm. just, just wants to win and uh, no matter what. And, you know, his... It's not just it's not just his scoring too. Like we talked, there's other you know aspects to his game. It's just he's just a, like his defense, rebounding, ball handling for a big, you know, playmaking, uh, decision making. Just like you could see it in that that Lakers game earlier in the year where he was he wasn't scoring in the first half. Like he was really being dominated by Anthony Davis. Yeah. Davis just. All over him, but he still he still found ways to win to win to help the to help the team win by playing defense and kind of passing, drawing and kicking. Eventually, the second half is his his uh, play picked up, and you know he's a, he was able to finish the game off well. But like it was the same thing actually in the this past week, the 76ers game. Like his shot wasn't falling. Like he was having kind of a terrible shooting game, but then he just he collected 15 rebounds. So he like he he finds something else to do to help the team win. So he's never, I think that's kind of what sets him apart from DeRozan. This kind of goes back to our earlier discussion, where does Siakam kind of fall in, you know, the greatest Raptor ever? And again, like there's that distinction between greatest and best, whereas we know Larry Larry is the the greatest, but not the best, because Leonard is the best. Yes. I think DeRozan, because of his tenure and like, you know, all he's done, he's still ahead of Siakam in terms of greatest. Yes. But like... Uh, I think Siakam is the better player just because he can do more. So we saw DeRozan, if he wasn't scoring, especially in the playoffs, if he wasn't scoring, that was it. Like, he was done. <laughs> There's no, he did nothing else to help the team. He was kind of like 
actually a detriment mm-hmm. so much that he had a that uh he actually had to sit down and like the team actually got better whereas siakam if he's not scoring at least he can play uh, you know all-star level defense he can defend multiple positions he can rebound he can pass he can you know bring the ball up the floor play make so he can still do other things to help you win and he's also uh not only can he defend multiple positions he can he can play multiple positions on offense like we've seen quite a bit of times that he's uh, the de facto point guard in certain certain situations bringing the ball up in the top of the key um and sometimes like it was very rare but we have seen him as the de facto center as well i think it was only like a handful of games maybe one or two games in certain situations yeah, and he played the he played the three in the in that super big lineup. Yeah, well. you know, <laughs> like, look, I don't like to really look at venom and vitriol when it comes to Twitter, but a lot of this stuff I couldn't avoid because I do, <laughs> I do follow a lot of, of Raptors Twitter uh, fan accounts, and you know they were going back and forth with he fans regarding Jimmy Butler, and a lot of them are just trolling and you know responding with gifts and whatnot, but. Where do you stand on this? Because I'm going to be honest, and this may be to a lot of the dismay of Raptors fans listening, but like Jimmy Butler is one of my favorite non-Raptor players. Like I just love his game. I love his aggression. And maybe it has a lot to do with um, him being a Raptor killer all these years that I've sort of like have Stockholm syndrome when it comes to that. Like I, I gravitate towards him because I've seen how great he could be. Um, I don't necessarily like his attitude and his like behind the scenes antics and whatnot but as a strictly as a basketball player i admire his game i think he's very very good so i wasn't surprised that pascal got it i but i was surprised that jimmy didn't and a lot of heat fans are pissed that pascal siakam got the nod over jimmy butler so where do you stand on this do you find this to be surprising and do you think that although not to say that pascal siakam doesn't deserve it but do you think that maybe jimmy butler was deserving of the the position as well but just fell short well the funny thing is i i put out my team and i had butler and siakam Mm. i didn't have i didn't have Embiid. you know why because of the injury the injuries, uh, I hate them, and uh, I hate them. <laughs> well, see, like when it comes to the starting lineup, I'm more surprised that Trey got the nod. I'm being dead serious. Like nothing against Trey, I know he's crazy good, but as an all-star starter, I think that's a little too hasty. But regardless, yeah, yeah I thought Jimmy Butler was going to get in. We can get into Trey when we talk about if we want to talk about you know should Larry made it. But first, yeah, getting back to Butler, I think yeah, if he if he was a guard, first of all, like. NBA should just get rid of the positions. Like, what mm. are we doing at this point? Why? Why is he? A, why is he a power forward? Or sorry, why is he a forward, not a guard? Right. Uh, if he was a guard, it would have been a no-brainer, right? He's the, he's your second guard after Walker. Yes. But uh, yeah, I think he was good enough to make it. Good enough to, for uh, him to make it over Siakam. I don't know. It's it's hard because we don't see Butler every day, but we know he's a closer, a raptor killer. You know, clutch. He was the only guy we were really afraid of besides Embiid last year on the 76ers yeah and uh yeah I, I also like him oddly I like him as a player even though he's a jackass and I think he lost he lost a lot of I think fan votes and, and player votes just because he's uh you know he's kind of burned down a lot of franchises yeah, yeah. <laughs> on his way out so I think he lost a lot there and then like I'm sure he I'm sure his media I don't I didn't see the numbers but I'm sure his media Numbers were high, but like his probably his player and fan votes were low. But I think he's he is deserving a starter, and I think he should have had you know the second card spot really. 
Yeah, so I guess all the Heat fans that may or may not be listening, uh, look, I, I actually think there's there's one if Giancarlo is listening. But um, when it comes to you know Jimmy Butler and whether or not he should have been in, I think you and I, like we just said, like yes, he in a perfect world, yes, he would he would mm-hmm. be in this in this lineup because I do think he's deserving of it. I don't want to go as so far to compare the two, even though it's almost impossible not to because. A lot of people are viewing it, and rightly so, that Pascal Siakam is the reason Jimmy Butler didn't get in. And again, <laughs> that fan voting, you're right, that's probably what did him in, because if we're talking about you know, the positions here, I think uh, Giannis was the number one. You know? yeah. yeah, so the, when it comes to um, the front court players, obviously Pascal Siakam being number two and 50% of the weight being in the fan voting, as I mentioned previously, uh, you know, Jimmy stood no chance in that aspect. So, again, nothing taken away from Jimmy Butler. However, we can get back into the, as you alluded to, the Kyle Lowry thing. Kyle well, before Lowry. We do that, yeah, sorry, sure. before we do that, I actually had a question I was thinking about, and it's actually come up on Twitter or podcast a couple of times. Like, in terms of Siakam, like, would you, if we were to redraft that 2016 draft, you know, I can give you the players. Sure. But would you, would you, would you draft Siakam? Number one, so like the, the the big players from that draft were Ben Simmons, uh, Brendan Ingram, uh, Jalen Brown, Jamal Murray, uh, Demontis Sabonis, Malcolm Brogdon, who went thirty six, and then Patrick McCaw, of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I I would take McCaw number one, so. of course. Yeah. Well, we know who would take him number one. Right. Right. <laughs> Yeah, so like, would you take Siakam first if you did that over Ben Simmons and Ingram? I think those are the, kind of the two, the two highest ones there. Yes, yes, yeah, I, I would. would too. And <laughs> I, if I'm being like, I hate saying this. If I had the number two overall pick, and Pascal Siakam was the first overall, I would take Brown next. <laughs> I would. I would. Well, that's, that's really you must really think high of him, you know. I just he wears the I, green and white, so yeah, yeah. I <laughs> look, I hate the Celtics, I do, but there's something about Brown that I think will. No, he's good. Yeah, he's he's pretty good. We, we you know, I think before before the season we we're like, what? I don't know about that contract, but yeah, yeah, I think yeah. it was good. <laughs> yeah, I think it's good. But um, let's circle back. Look, Kyle Lowry yeah. not getting the All Star nod yet, but as as when it mm. comes to being a starter, uh, I get it. Like, we just talked about the fan voting compared to, you know, Pascal Siakam and Jimmy Butler. I get Trey Young is flashy and nice, and he's young, and he's new, right? Like, he, and he's hitting shots off the, the sideline bench in pregame warm-ups and looking at the camera. It's fun, right? It's, and to his credit, he is literally carrying this Atlanta Hawks team. Like, literally, mm-hmm. he dropped, like, 40 on the Raptors' head. Like, he is really good. But just the veteran presence alone, man. Kyle Lowry. Like, I, I look. Say what you want about Kemba. I'm not going to compare those two, right? I I get the argument for Kemba Walker being in. Yeah. I get it, and like that doesn't Adam mean that. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I I get that Kemba Walker is. I'm not going to say Kemba Walker's better than Kyle Lowry this year. I'm not quite there yet. I think they're sort of on equal footing, but I definitely will say, and I don't think this is bold, that Kyle Lowry is a better overall player than Trey Young. Yeah, I mean, that goes to that question, and it's. I think it's amazing how other, like, there are a lot of actually U.S. writers, like Zach Lowe, I think, had him 
Lowry as as a starter, mm. which is surprising the amount of kind of support he was getting. I guess you know he's getting more, I guess more publicity. You know, being in the finals, being you know a lot more U.S. televised games, national games. But um, yeah, Trey Young. Like usually, usually I don't look at kind of the record in terms like when I'm kind of figuring out who should be the All Star. Like a lot of I hear in podcasts and writers be like, oh well, this you know this team is no good, so. So he should yeah. be it, right? Yeah, yeah. Or, or the opposite, where it's like, well, you know, Milwaukee is the best team in the league, so they should have two All Stars. Like, no, it's not. It's not like just because your team is good doesn't mean you should have like a requisite number of All Stars. If you're an All Star, Chris Middleton is an All Star, then he's an All Star, not because you know Milwaukee is the best team in the league, and so they should have two All Stars, right? But uh, in this case, the Hawks are just so bad, <laughs> and I think he's. It's more of a him getting, you know putting up good stats on a bad team than, you know, him being kind of like a really, really good, good player. Like I, I put, I put like Beal above Trey Young. I put, uh, Butler above Trey Young for sure. Yes. Yes. I mean, he wasn't a guard, obviously Simmons, Larry, we can talk about Larry. He's, you know, I think Larry, he's kind of like, he's kind of like Gasol, Gasol in a way where like, you don't, see everything he does unless you watch him play every day mm-hmm. like he has those things just like his intelligence and his passing and his, his playmaking and like just anticipating where a player is going to be like every time taking those charges and like <clears throat> like a perfect example of something he does like you really see is like last year in the playoffs that that dunk uh that leonard dunk on, on Giannis. Giannis and, yeah yeah in that sixth game where he does that. Larry, uh, Larry does that shovel pass to him. Yes, and then like kind of scoots his ass backwards into into Giannis, kind of nudging him a little bit so he can't get in position. Like just like the little things like that, and and the way he's he's changed his game three times now. Think about it. Larry's changed his game three times over the last three years to match what the team needs. Like first that like DeRozan kind of point guard ish, where DeRozan kind of became more of the facilitator and ball handler right in in Drozen's last year uh, as a raptor and then so he kind of took a step back there then the next year he he again dialed back his offense to facilitate more for leonard and, and everyone else so like he his points went way down then this year now that you know leonard and, and green are gone he's his offense is kind of revved up again where he's more he's more you know a, a dominating force in offense so just incredible player like watching him every day every day and just changing willing to change his game every year not caring about his own stats you know to for the good of the team it's it's hard i can see you know from the outside perspective just looking at his numbers maybe you know they don't see him as a starter but he i think he's definitely deserving yeah you know like last night during the Knicks game, you could see that sort of uh, leadership quality within mm-hmm. him, as well as like the the basketball IQ hit, to the point where he was having arguments with Serge while at the free throw line. <laughs> like in Serge, what was like, that? You didn't see that. Uh, I remember I, I saw him mouth that I'm too smart for that when he stole oh, the ball. Oh, dude, no, no, no. <laughs> T- take a look. I think it was in the second quarter, second or third quarter, that Lowry got fouled on a, on a play. And he was frustrated because Serge didn't do something. And on his way to the free throw line, him and Serge are like, it wasn't a heated exchange. It was just like sort of just like 
Lowry was inserting himself as the de facto leader, be like, no, I need you to do this, like using his hands and literally yeah. like scheming right in front of the Knicks, like literally <laughs> like drawing up plays right in front of him and having these arguments or these discussions, rather these heated debates while at the free throw line and Serge is like at the sideline, like <laughs> it was incredible. And I'm just like, obviously Leo is downplaying it saying like these are two individuals that respect one another which they do and I, I have no doubt that this is at all going to be an issue like I, no, I, I'm i hard-pressed just to mention it but like it's just yeah. it's indicative of his leadership qualities because like later on and in, in the start of the fourth quarter he's sitting down on the side sidelines and he's like literally coaching people he's literally exerting himself as the, as this guy that's seeing things on the court that maybe other people aren't picking up on and Again, Leo is is emphasizing this saying like all he does is watch film. All he does is prepare for like the little things that the other the opposition will um will will do and it, putting himself in the position to know when to take a charge because he knows that player so well that he's taking the charge from. He knows where he's going to move in order to be in that position. Like these are the little things as you mentioned that Kyle Lowry is so good at that other people just aren't recognizing. And it bothers yeah. me that there's so much hate towards him for nothing. Again, <laughs> his playoff numbers or lack thereof, like this quote-unquote playoff Lowry, is so over-embellished. Yeah. Oh, it's so, it, yeah. It's so over-embellished. Like, I, dude, I have people at work, oh, playoff Lowry. I'm like, what do you, like, do you look? Do you look at these numbers? And I, I have to bring it up. I'm like, he sh these are the numbers. And I'm like, Oh, it's not that bad. Yeah, I know it's not that bad because he has this unfair criticism in in the playoffs that, like, yes, you can pinpoint one or two games, like specifically game one against the Magic last year, that were, like, not what we would expect out of Kyle Lowry, but still, on the overall conglomerate, he's been very good. So to tie this all together into him being an All-Star, like, yes, I do think he will still be an All-Star. He'll be a six-time All-Star. But I do think, like, as a vet and as a guy that's been there before and as a guy that started before, he should have been in it this year. And, like, while Gasol and Siakam and Powell and Van Vliet, the entire, like, the entire starting lineup was pretty much out. And he was, he was still leading the team to wins, like, yeah. all this time while they were, they were out. It was, like, with, with nothing. It was, like, and, like, him, that 30-point comeback, it was him and, what, Malcolm Miller and... Who else was it? it was uh, Davis? Yeah, uh, uh, Boucher. It was like <laughs> it was like all these kind of like G League second, you know, second round undrafted guys. He was he was leading to a thirty point comeback, and like and then after the game, I, I loved how he gave it, like all the credit to the other guys. Oh yeah, <clears throat> instead of himself. That was the so, uh, like, the Lowry chant game. Yeah, yeah, which which was happening last night at MSG. It was, which was, yes, it was. Which was just great. Yes. <laughs> So yeah, in terms of Trey Young, which something, yeah, like you mentioned, he doesn't he doesn't play defense. Like he, all he does is, is shoot. And I think he's I think he's overrated as a player. Like that forty point, at least just from that game I watched, that forty point game against the uh, against the Raptors, it was really pissing me off the way the the rest are treating him like a superstar. Like I don't mm. understand. He's not a superstar. This is his second year. Like all he does is, is shoot ball and, and like he was getting like kobe like calls like every time he'd go up to shoot no matter where a player was like i remember there's one time uh mccall was just standing behind him he didn't do anything trey goes up for a for a for a shot and like he, they blow a whistle right like i don't understand he's not a superstar like why is he getting these calls like he went to the line 21 times <laughs> that's, cr that's crazy <laughs> 
Ah, uh, yeah, that is kind of that's like, ridiculous. At least, at least Beal Beal's playing out of his mind. Yeah, he's on like a shitty team, and uh, but at least he's an established superstar. So I could have, I could have, I could have dealt with Beal starting over, Beal starting instead of Larry, but not Trey Young. Trey Young should not be starting. <laughs> well. Look, as we said, we can put a bow on it right here when it comes to the All-Star game, but I think Kyle Lowry will still get in. A lot of analysts uh, are on the other side of the coin on there, but that's to be expected. Look, like this is part of the whole we the North uh, attitude, which is sort of like that mantra has sort of died down. It's not really part of the Raptors' identity anymore. I think that's mostly because they've won the championship and it's sort of like a, a new expectation, but... Still, it, it some of it still rings true, and whether or not the the media is going to give them any sort of credit is sort of secondary to me now. Because like, let's face it, like we can always like bring up the gif of Larry holding the Larry Ob on the bus, you know, from the parade. Like that's all I care about. It's it's perfectly you know signifies how I feel about any time the the media does not give the Raptors any sort of credit because we're champs, right? And you can't take that away, no matter how much you downplay it. Uh, what was that game? The I think they they lost the game and like he was getting it, Larry was getting it from the fans and then he mocked putting on the ring on his on his oh, finger. What game yeah. was that? <laughs> oh, that, let me. Oh, now I got to look at the schedule. I can't remember what game that was, but he's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I have a ring. Shut the hell up. Yeah, Serge did it too. What game was that? Yeah, yeah, he he did it like it. Was, they were on the road. I remember that. Was yeah, it, it was definitely on the road because he was getting it from the from the crowd. Is that the game? You sure they lost that game? Um, was it the Brooklyn maybe, game? Maybe not. I don't or was know. it the Indiana game? I thought I thought you were getting it from the crowd because they were losing. I can't remember. Maybe the, I don't know. They could have won. Either way, he was just like, "Shut up! <laughs> mm. I have a ring. Go to hell." Maybe it was. Maybe it was. Phil- I don't know. Well, regardless, uh, I, I do anticipate Lowry to be an all-star. I'm, I'm sure you're anticipating the same thing, but uh, we can put a yeah, pin. Yeah, very he, surprised. And then also not surprised at the same time if he doesn't make it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> at this point, I, th- I think I think he's good to go. But let's put a pin on it there. Let's take another break. When we come back, let's talk about some Fred Van Vliet. Hang tight. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. <laughs> All right, so Freddie's been killing it. <laughs> he's been uh, sort of clutch in certain situations, and I know it's only been four games since he's returned from injury, but you know, much like Norman Powell, he hasn't really missed a beat, and it's uh, definitely something that we can hopefully expect him to build on more and more. But uh, within those four games, he's averaged just south of 22 points per game, uh, 5.3 dimes shooting. Check this out, 65% from deep approximately 52% from the field in just about 34 minutes of play per game. Now, we know he's approaching unrestricted free agency this summer, and he's been very tight-lipped as to what his intentions are. So, shot in the dark, man. What do you think is going to happen with Fred Van Vliet? Before we get into that, did you see his shoes? I can't. I think it was... Steady Freddy. Which game it was. Yeah, Steady Freddy. Yeah. yeah. That was amazing. Awesome. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've I've been kind of critical of him in the past just because because I thought he was kind of too small to be a guard and especially in today's league and like most fans I was kind of super critical of him during the during the playoffs last year I mean who wasn't yeah during the the magic and 76er series and then he finally turned around the Bucks series and it as it turned out he was the perfect guy to, to guard Curry because of his because of his size because you kind of you can 
be quick and, and agile and kind of weave between screens and able to kind of stick with Curry all over the court, which, you know, is kind of maybe a little bit understated in terms of why they won. Like the ability, he didn't take out Curry because no one can stop Curry, but he bothered him. He, stuck he contained with him. him for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, and also he couldn't miss from three. So that's why he got, you know, that one MVP vote, finals MVP vote. Um, you know, I, I could see them, I see them paying him. Like if it's 20, I mean, within, within reason, like it, I see him getting uh, a Brogdon contract, which has come up a lot. I think people mention Brogdon as a comparison, which is four years, 85 million. Mm-hmm. So just over, just a little bit over 21 million a year. So I think he can get that. He's, you know, he's in high, we've seen he's an high IQ guy and he's proved, he can prove he, you know, he can lead the team, which we saw because Larry was out for that, that, stri- that stretch and he was, the the main point guard and he was taking over that he was leading the team um and he has those kind of intangibles that we talked about he's he knows the system continuity so that's why you know i'd want him to have him back against strong work ethic another one of those guys who kind of he had to work for everything he got not always the best guy you know overlooked you know obviously overlooked by the draft <laughs> yeah by every team yeah by every team yeah and twice <laughs> <laughs> yeah and he's he's kind of you know, learned at this in the school of Lowry, if you want to, if you want to say that. Right. Uh, but in terms of, um, you know, kind of here's, you know, taking over the, the point guard reins, you know, here's the team. Uh, I don't know if I'm fully there yet because I think Lowry's still like based on this year, he still may have a few years left in him as the kind of the number one point guard. Um, and again, you know, that there's the size issue only when he plays with Lowry. I think if he's the sole point guard, maybe I'll have some more confidence in him, but him playing with Lowry, I, I still have issues with, as I mentioned earlier, but either way, you know, pay the guy. He's, he's deserving. We, you know, he's in, you know, worst comes at worst, you can always, you know, trade him, but he's, he's a guy like you just don't want to let go for, for nothing. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because a lot of people, obviously, uh, all fans have 2021 on the mind and trying mm-hmm. to keep the books open. Um, given that Lowry is still on the team, at least contractually, next year, um, it sort of adds or offers a little bit of stability when it comes to where the the point guard reigns could end up exclusively if uh, Fred Van Vliet sort of walks away. In other words, like we're not in terrible shape if Fred Van Vliet decides to go elsewhere and chase a bag. And again, I don't blame any player for doing that. None. Of course. None whatsoever. Yeah, get as much as you can, especially where he's been, you know, like you said, undrafted and uh, G League player and kind of working his way up. So yeah, if you get whatever you can. Anything you can. And you know, when it comes to whether or not I want the Raptors to keep him, obviously I do. But, you know, like, there's a lot of talk as to whether or not this, and this is sort of a side tangent, whether or not this Giannis talk is legit. And I know, like, a lot of people like to troll and bring up this footage of Giannis talking about how Masai and bringing in, you know, players from Africa and, you know, really capitalizing on that and bringing that to the forefront and, People like to link that to saying, oh, he's going to be a Raptor in 2021, guaranteed. Like, and, and in, sure. in New York, right? Yeah, yeah. And sure, like, look, 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 like, fine. Like, that's all fun. 
But like I again, I've I've mentioned this before. We don't have to get into it too much, but I don't like to put my chips into that basket you yeah, know, fully. No. Um, but when it comes to Fred Van Vliet tying it back to him, it depends on where you see this team treading. If you want to keep the the group together and you find value in longevity and continuity and familiarity, yeah. then sure, like let let's let's toss him a bag. Like I'm I, I'm down to give him that type of money, like four years, eighty. That's fine with me, and I don't necessarily think that's going to keep them from making a, another substantial splash move in free agency in 2021. Um, when you look at who else is off the book, like at that point, Lowry won't be on the books, and maybe next year Serge Baca signs a one-year deal, so that again, he's not on the books. Like There are situations in which we can make this happen, or we being the Toronto Raptors can make this happen. Um, I do think, though, that there's a sense of I'd like to believe that there's a sense of loyalty from Fred Van Vliet being like, hey, these guys took a chance on me. And yes, even though he already did sign one extension, and again, I'm not sure he'll take a hometown discount, but still, like, there is something to the notion that Masai Ujiri believed in him. And, you know, as we all have seen, Masai Ujiri is a very good salesman. Just ask any of the teams that he's traded with. Right, so uh, I, I do think there's a, better chance than not that he will end up staying with the Raptors because when it comes to players that have still something substantial to offer the Raptors, I can't remember a time that Masai just let him go. No, like even like Ross, like when you signed Ross yeah. to an extension, like I, I question him like, really? But like, it's just kind of, again, yeah, it's, you know, it's hard to say, but it's collecting assets, you know, Later, he used them to get Ibaka. So right, right. that turned out to be a good signing. Even exactly. at the time, I'm like, what are you doing? Um, so same thing here. Like I said, you you sign them, you worry about the fit and like, you know, all that stuff later. Um, in terms of kind of hometown discount, I think you're right. In terms of like, I don't think he's going to give one. It's just, you know, bet on yourself, the whole thing. Again, like he's, he's going to get as much money as he can. So if, like, we, if we offer him... 20 million a year someone else does 25 i think he's going to go with 25 i don't know if i don't know if loyalty is going to be a factor i think he would prefer to stay here but if he's going to get more money somewhere else he's going to i think he's going to take it yeah you know i'm not necessarily uh afraid of teams like detroit like that's been a rumored uh team they don't have any money unless they like trade guys like they're they're capped out i think like they weren't one of the teams on the list who have like cap space Exactly, and like that's another reason why I'm not too concerned. Obviously, the the lack of winning culture, and I'm not sure Fred VanVleet wants to gravitate towards a a potential. Uh, well, it's not even a potential a playoff team to a team that's definitely going to be yeah. on the receiving end of a re- going from a re- winning a championship in the playoffs every year to like a bottom feeder. I don't know. Yeah, like <laughs> a, a definite rebuild. Although he'd be the head of the rebuild. Mm-hmm. I don't know how attractive that is to him, but still, like it's still something that I don't know that really uh, attracts him or compels him to go there. But having said that, a team that may be still in a similar situation that I do, maybe not, it wouldn't be the greatest of fits, but just selfishly, like, keep an eye on Chicago. Just because, like, you know, where he's from and whatnot, and I, I don't know if he was a huge Bulls fan growing up, but still, like, there is some room there. And I, again, like, it might be a little bit of a clusterfuck with him done and Levine and whatnot, but it's Don't not. They have, what's up? Then they then they just draft the guy. Um, can't remember his name. Like, isn't it like their their point guard of the future? 
I mean, if you have a chance to grab Fred VanVleet, I think at this point you you should take it. Especially if you have money to toss around. Maybe not. Maybe not. I, I don't know. I'm just kind of spitballing here. Just I maybe Phoenix is going to make a run. I don't know. Like maybe Miami would make a run. Could you imagine him and Jimmy Butler in Miami? Because they could sure use a, a, a solid point guard as well. Like I'm just trying to find teams that fit the mold that are outside of Toronto that might work as a destination for Fred VanVleet. Unless you can... I mean, how confident are you that there aren't many situations in which he'd thrive in? Well, I think, like, the, yeah, the, the teams that have cap space are all, like, crap teams. I right. Think. Like, it's the Clevelands and... Uh, I don't know. I can't remember the other teams. But, like, yeah, those aren't good situations. I mean, my, like, Miami, I think, would be a good situation. And it's... And, like, you can never count a team out because Miami... This year we're capped out, but they still found a way to get to get a max contract in Butler. Right, made some you know some smart trades here and there, and like you now you have you have room, so you can never really count a team out. Um, yeah, again, I just think whoever offers him the most money, he's gonna take it. It might, might not even be a you know the best situation winning wise, but if the numbers are close, you know, if it's like we we give him. You know, twenty a year, and like someone else says, twenty one. I think he's gonna go with. He would. He would stay. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think I haven't really thought about in terms of like what team, what other team he would fit on. But um, yeah, I think Miami definitely could use a point guard. I think uh, like who is their point guard anyway? It's really Jimmy Butler. It's I guess. Butler. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, I I don't necessarily like to think that he'd leave this type of situation because it's been so favorable to him. And again, like the the aspect of him really breaking out as a I don't want to say a superstar, but as someone that can more than hang in the NBA is um, you, you got to thank Toronto for that. And maybe there is a sense of loyalty in that aspect. And like again, like I say this tongue in cheek. And one's not paying the bills here, right? Like they're not. Like sure. Well, maybe they are. I don't. I don't know the type of deal that he got, but I. I do know not a lot of people are buying in one shoes. Like that's for sure. But um, he also does like ads for a local like uh, chicken diner place. I don't know if you ever if you ever seen the commercials on the Canadian broadcast. Yeah, can't remember what, the name. Wasn't the one with him and Norm? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen it. I, I don't yeah. know the name. So, it. Does it begin with a W? What's that? Does the place begin with a W? I can't remember. Yeah, I don't know. Not, but yeah, they're not paying the, the bills either. They're not paying the bills. But <laughs> look, he's got he's got that peanut butter and jelly commercial too. So well, like, he's all know, over the place. Yeah. Yeah. He's getting he's getting nice endorsements in Toronto. MasterCard, I think, another one. There or, you go. There not you MasterCard, go. Uh, American Express, I think. There you go. There yeah. you go. You know, like <laughs> he's getting endorsements, so maybe it serves him better to to stay where he's at. And I'm sure like there's some sort of establishment and footing on the, in the ground of Toronto that maybe he it's more of a hassle for him to just get up and leave. Who knows? But look, I, I do think that he is obviously in the long-term plans of, of the Raptors if they had it their way. Um, and, you know, the more and more I examine how he is truly impactful for this team, the more I'm leading towards maybe 2021 is not enough to let him walk away. You know what I mean? Like yeah. uh, those, those players that are going to be available, don't get me wrong, they are superstars but still when it comes to the value of an individual that has on a specific team sometimes that outweighs that yeah like i said you like i said you you give him the money 
you worry about the rest later. That's kind of what uh, they've done, like the Raptors and New Jersey. And even when they signed JV, I, I thought that was also bad, like when they extended JV. Yeah. At the yeah. time, and like, and then you know, he turned into Gasol. So <laughs> you never know. <laughs> really, you can't. You can't fall. Yeah, exactly. You never know. The, the point is to you know collect as much assets as you can. A good you know good player. He's certainly like he's not like I said. He's the type of player who's he's worked his ass off, and he's going to continue to work his ass off, like Siakam. So I never worry about giving these guys money because you know a lot of times someone finally gets their their payday and it's like oh, okay I can relax now. Like, I don't see him doing that. I see him, he's going to still try to get even better than he is now. Yeah. Yeah, and the um, the youth is certainly on their side if they do, uh, you know, give him a, a nice little contract there. And, you know, you never know. He could be someone that excels, and we talked about Raptors legend status. Um, he's not near that cusp yet, but he's certainly, like, on the right track if he does stay and have, like, these impactful moments with the Raptors. because. You know, Toronto fans are, they love these under the radar guys. Like, and no, no matter what the sport is, like, think about the Blue Jays. Like, everybody loved John McDonald. Everybody loved John McDonald. Everybody loved oh, Minori yeah. Kawasaki for no reason, obviously, other than that he was entertaining. The mascot, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, like, you know, John <laughs> McDonald, I feel, was more than a mascot. He was unbelievable yeah, yeah. on the field. And the, uh, people obviously loved his work ethic and, you know, loved what he offered to the team. Fred Van V for the Raptors obviously offers a lot more. So if, if we're looking at it that way, uh, if he continues to grow and to excel with this team, there's no, there's no question that he could be very impactful and a very big part of this team's future moving forward, for sure. Yeah. All right. Um, let's put a pin in it right there. Let's take our final break. And when we come back, we will give you the two sweet moment of the week. Hang tight. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. <laughs> It's time for the Too Sweet Moment of the Week here on the South of the Six podcast. All right. We just talked about Fred Van Vliet. So let me go with my Too Sweet Moment of the Week first. It's got to be that fourth quarter performance against Philly. It was a work of art. Fred Van Vliet put on a masterful performance, and it was just one that, again, solidified him as a top-tier player on this roster this year that will be very, very important in terms of how he performs in the playoffs moving forward. Having said that, Ryan, what is your too-sweet moment of the week? It's funny. It's kind of similar. It's, it's another player going off against another team. There you go. That's that's Powell going off against the Hawks. Yep. Or, oh, yeah. <laughs> was that also on your list? It was... Uh, so it was one of those... It was one of those games that I'm just like... Man, I, I I was watching it at work, obviously, because it was a 2.30 game, and I had to leave, and things were falling apart as I'm driving home, and I put it back on, and Powell's just going off, so I can't blame you for picking yeah, that up. Yeah, he was just drilling three, like, all over the floor, like, catch and shoot, but not just catch and shoot, like, it was also just off the dribble, just, like, randomly off the dribble, which he, he's more of a catch and shoot guy, so it was kind of ridiculous to see him just shooting off the dribble threes, and there's that one in Carter's face. He's just, like, dribble, 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 then just, like, took, just jumped and drilled a three-point shot in Carter's face. And, like, just the whole the, the bench reactions. Oh, yeah. Like, Larry and everyone going crazy on the bench. Started to feel like kind of NBA jam where he's just, like, he's on fire and he just can't miss. 
He was a plus 10 in that game uh, for the entirety of it. Shot 67% from three, six for nine to be exact, and 50% for the field. Perfect at the free throw line, seven for seven. Dude was just on fire, man. And he single-handedly won that game for the Raptors because it looked super dire in the fourth quarter. Yeah, well, he he was out there with that kind of that all-bench lineup that that um, Nurse kind of kept in the game a little too long. Oh, yeah. That's when they started giving up the lead. But it was, it was mostly because they're doing well because of him. Like, he was the one who was kind of taking over. It wasn't necessarily that lineup that was kind of giving the lead. And Nurse wanted to kind of keep that lineup in there to finish off the game because... They made the comeback, but... uh, Hold on, hold on, yeah. hold on. Are you saying that Patrick McCaw had nothing to do with that win because, as people will tell you on Twitter, <laughs> he was a plus seven, okay? A plus seven, okay? Plus seven. Did I say he was a plus seven? You mean the guy who, who turned over the ball on every, on every single listen, uh, full-court press? Listen, 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 listen. <laughs> Did I mention he was a plus seven? Well, that says it all, I guess. Okay, again, yeah. don't know if you heard me, but he was a plus seven. Yeah, that was like what, <laughs> I'm not sure what Nurse expected with just they started to do full court press and he was listen, the ball. Listen, listen, so, plus seven. <laughs> plus seven. He was a plus and seven. Then, and then even when the he finally, oh, I think I should change it, he still kept him in. Listen. Listen. <laughs> I didn't mention this, but I'm pulling it out. He was a plus seven in this game. So was he, right. what, what was his plus minus? <sighs> Let me look. He was a plus seven. All right, he was a plus seven but, in this game. He had he he had a single single with two points and three fouls, okay? He was plus seven. Well, then, he should have played the entire game. <laughs> oh, jeez. But getting back to, to Norm for a second, he's yeah. like, I, I don't know, I can't remember if you talked about this last week, just the, the new Norm, just the aggressiveness and under control and explosiveness and, like, these, these blow-blies, like, and the, actually finishing around the rim, which must be ruining your drinking game. But, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's changed. It changes. Now when he misses, we drink. Oh, I thought it was... Oh, sorry, when he, when he makes them, we drink. Oh, so he we makes, can, yeah. We so can be consistently like, as drunk now, so... Right, exactly. Before <laughs> is every time you miss, you have yes. a drink. Yes, yes. Which, now he's just, he's finishing on plays, and, like, just every game, he's, like, blowing by, like, all this, like... I'm not saying he's Dwayne Wade, but he's having kind of Dwayne Wade qualities, where he just, all of a sudden, he just, boom, he's at the rim. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's starting from the defensive rebound on the, on the other end. Like, he's constantly looking for those fast breaks, right? Like, as soon as he gets the rebound, he's gone. He is gone, and he's going to, yeah. he's like a bat out of hell, just running to the rim with all the aggression in the world, and now he has a finesse to his finish where they're not, like, clanking off the backboard and going, like, three feet the other way. Like, he's actually finishing correctly, so it's, it's a sight to see, and obviously this is something we've been waiting for when it comes to Norman Powell for quite a bit of time. And look better late than never because right now I feel confident in him moving forward when it comes to his performance. Because look, I know the consistency we talked about it last week. Consistency is an issue when it comes to him. Obviously, we're going to have those fears. But the more I see him play, the more I'm like, all right, he's fine. He, he's going to be just fine moving forward. Yeah, and like his name obviously has always come up for trades. Like let's trade this guy. And now I'm like, I don't know. Like where are you going to find someone like him making the money he's making? Yeah, who, who, who does as well as he does? Like now, that contract looks amazing. Like if he can keep doing this, which you know we'll see, he's done it for like a couple weeks now, more maybe. But like, yeah, that contract all of a sudden before it was like a detriment. Now it's like amazing contract. It was like ten million a year somewhere mm-hmm. around there. Yeah, so he's making yeah. ten this year and ten next year. So he's 
the the contract that he has right now just looks really sweet. And I think the reason why people are entertaining the thought of trading him and we did it, it last week is because it's matchable. That's why. Right. And his value has never been higher. Exactly. And I get that. But where, where are you gonna where are you gonna find a player like <clears throat> as good as him right now? Oh, you're not. Like, yeah. You're not. You're not. Like unless you're getting like I said, unless you're getting something substantial yeah. in return, uh, yeah. which you're probably not anyway, uh, there's no sense in trading him but the reason why again he's it's it's an attractive trade chip is because that contract is really nice and the control as well speaking, but, speaking of trades we never i guess established like do you think like personally i think they should stand pat like now that they yes. got everyone back uh just move forward with with what they have what do you what do you think they should they should I, stand pat or make a trade no i think that's exactly what they're going to do i think they're going to stand pat and because like i don't i don't necessarily think there's going to be enough out there to entice Masai to move a pivotal uh, member of the squad and really mess with the chemistry, but I do see them being active in the buyout market. Yeah, I can see that. It's it's funny because I keep thinking back to be to before the season where like everyone's like, oh, they're gonna they're gonna trade away everyone. Like mm. uh, they're all the expiring contracts: Gasol, Ibaka, Lowry before he signed, or even after he signed uh, that one year extension. It's like, oh, you know. This team's good, like the U.S. media again. This team's going to be at the bottom of the East. Yes, uh, they're going to trade everyone. Masai and like fan, even fans think that Masai, for some reason, is some kind of heartless. You know, he he trade his own grandmother if he could. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just don't understand. Like, because he has that reputation because he traded, he fired Casey and then traded DeRozan. Like Casey, who he gave like a million chances to. No, no other GM would give that much chances to to one coach. In one no. team, but and like, I think I think the reason why uh, people were quick to say that they're going to be sellers is because Kawhi left. But now that they're seeing yeah. the performance, like it's kind of that doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, and and I, I think if you and I and like other fans who actually watch this team said like you know something would have to go horribly wrong yes. by the trade deadline, they're at the bottom of the East, and then they they would make trades. Like if they were like. Out of the playoff spot, yeah, I can see him making trades. But then, you know, before the season started, we're like, that would be, that means disaster happened. Yeah, yeah, it does. <laughs> and disaster did happen. They still, they still won. <laughs> they still. That's exactly it. Like they, they have the bodies right now to sort of, you know, mitigate any, you know, knock on desk. It doesn't happen, but mitigate any other injuries that may or may not occur. Um, and it, that's that's all you need. Like obviously, they're going to shrink the the lineups come playoff time and. They're going to really evaluate the talent and zero in on it. But I think their best bet. There, yeah. Yeah. You know, like I said, McCaw plus seven. So, you know, it's, he's, he's going to save the day in the playoffs, obviously. At least we know, like, there is depth. I think that was our, our, our only right. concern going into the season. It was, was depth. Everything else was, yeah, we're going to have the defense. We're going to have the offense. Siakam's going to take a leap. Maybe not, we didn't think this much of a leap, but Siakam's going to take a leap. And uh, it's just the depth we didn't know about until, until that West Coast trip where, where we, where Nurse was forced to use everyone off the bench. Well, in order to get to the trade deadline, they got to play a handful of games first leading up to it. So let's get into predictions and we'll call it a show. Yep. Um, as I mentioned, we're recording this Saturday afternoon. So tomorrow, depending on when you're listening to this, maybe today, Sunday, they're going to San Antonio to play the Spurs. Then Tuesday, it's a rematch against Atlanta. Thursday is the first night of a back-to-back against Cleveland, and then Friday they travel to Detroit. I should mention that they are going to Cleveland in that first night of the back-to-back. So what say you? Yep. At San Antonio versus Atlanta, at Cleveland, at Detroit. What do you say? 
So this is the weirdest road trip in the history of the Raptors. Yeah, why come the, home? The, <laughs> the, New, the New York, the New York San Antonio road trip. Yeah, you know. Yeah, well, that makes sense. And then they go back to Toronto. Yeah, to for go one to game. Cleveland. Yeah, yeah. For Cleveland, and then a home game. At, oh no, wait. They're, they're away. At, they're at yeah. Pistons. No, but, I think it's a home game, isn't it? The the Atlanta game's at home, and then no, no, Cleveland is a, a the Pistons game. I mean, no, they're both away. A, it's, it's always a home game. Another oh well yes yeah you're right yeah, yeah okay so yeah <laughs> no, it's, they're it's on the road but it's home 2.0 yeah, yeah yeah so yeah the Spurs I think um, actually the the, the the last Spurs game was was one of the kind of the games that annoyed me the most of the entire year just because they let it go they let yeah and they let DeRozan go off in the fourth like Nurse kept putting Larry on it for some reason and he kept four times in a row I watched DeRozan go by Larry when like we know. Everyone knows, especially the Raptors should know, Nurse should know, he's watched the Rosen for you know, five, six years, that you just put a taller athletic guy on him, like OG, and he's done. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't understand why, like, why, I don't understand. Like, the Rosen shouldn't be going off against the Raptors. We've seen it a million times that he gets stopped by an athletic guy. Anyway, so um, I'm hoping there's not a repeat of last year's trip to San Antonio. <laughs> <laughs> I, I called it demoralizing loss. Um, he got his first triple double against the Raptors last year. I remember that. Yeah. They, they, that was kind of the most embarrassing game last year. So I think, I don't know. I think it's going to be close, but I think they're going to lose this one. See, I got them winning this. I, I think that Nick Nurse is really good at making adjustments. Um, maybe he recognized what you have just pinpointed, and he'll have OG be a defensive. Uh, presence against DeMar. Um, the distractions in comparison to last year's game in San Antonio may not right. be present, and the crowd will definitely not be nearly as into it, I feel. Like, maybe yes. they'll still be passionate, but I don't think nearly as passionate, um, given yes. the circumstances of Kawhi not being there. So I'm, I'm calling this one a dub. In fact, like, you know, spoiler alert, I don't have them losing for the remainder of January. <laughs> yeah, kind- I mean, it could be. I, I think this would be... I don't know if they're facing any other teams that are like kind of near playoff contention, but it's probably the only one. Like you got, like as I already mentioned, like Tuesday against Atlanta, that was close. That was unnecessarily close, especially like I'm going to chalk that up to being a midday game because, as we've noticed, like the Raptors just aren't good mid game this year. Uh, you know, <laughs> Christmas Day. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> I'm still, I'm still calling this one a win at home against Atlanta. Like, how could you not? Yeah, it's it's a win. It's definitely a win. Is this the final time that uh, Vince is going to be in uh, in Toronto this year? I think. No, they have one more in April. Yeah, I think it was like one of the last games I remember them saying. Mm, they have like one second more. second or, or last game, yeah. So you got this one as a win as well? Yeah, for sure. It's, okay. I don't know if Trey Young is playing, but either way, because he, he didn't play against the Clippers and the Clippers lost. <laughs> I know. I know. Oh, I know. man. Even... Even without uh, Leonard, they should still be the Hawks. <laughs> uh, Thursday, first night against in a back-to-back, going to Cleveland. I don't care; they're winning this. It's not even a question. Yeah, I think I think they win this because it's it's the Cavs. <laughs> and then uh, home away from home, second night of yeah. a back-to-back, Detroit. They're still winning that. I don't care if it's a back-to-back. Like I, I'm done with Detroit. They're winning that one too. Which one's the back-to-back? Is it the Cavs and Pistons or Hawks and Cavs? Uh, Cavs and Pistons Thursday, Friday. Okay. So, so the Detroit wins the second of the back-to-back? No. I say the Raptors win that. Oh, no, no sorry. The, the Pistons game is the, is the second. Oh, yes, the yes, yes, yeah. yes, yeah. So that means I, I say the Raptors still win. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I get. The, I mean, I, I understand. Obviously, the the glaring one in this group of four is the San Antonio game. Like, that is the most losable game that the Raptors have ahead of them. But the rest of them, like, there's no way they're losing these games. And if they do, like, again, something went wrong. So let's hope nothing goes wrong. It's a busy week, though. Was last week, there was, like, what, two games, maybe? Yeah, there was. No, there was Monday. <laughs> three was, games. Was Monday, three yeah, games. three. And they got, they got four. And then the next one after that, I think, is Sunday. So they have, like, a day to rest after the back-to-back. But still, um, this is going to be a nice evaluation. Well, maybe not so much because the competition is a little lackluster, but... At least you have an, another handful of games with the full lineup minus McCaw to really understand if there's any needs that this team may or may not have. Again, I don't anticipate any really major moves, if any moves at all, at the trade deadline. So having a fully healthy roster and really starting to come as their own and developing that chemistry, which is essential for a strong playoff run, um, what better time to do this, you know, right now with a four game slate. So I got four in a row schedule. Yeah. Yeah. I got four (laughs) in a row. You got three out of four. I understand. Like obviously San Antonio is the one, but uh, yeah, I still think it's going to be a good week. I think that the Raptors will come out strong and maybe they will overtake exclusively that second seed. We'll see, but uh, that's going to do it for today's show. Ryan, you know, the deal promote any and everything you got going on where people can find you on Twitter. The floor is yours, my man, go for it. So Twitter, my uh, name is, it's at Lace Sports. So at Lace, L-A-C-E-D, Sports. Um, don't have anything new up right now, but I'm working on something involving the, the Houston Astros scandal. Ooh. Yeah, so that should be up soon. Um, it's not favorable. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> I expect nothing less. Yeah. And uh, also, sh- shout out to Larry Walker. Yes. I'd be remiss if I didn't say that to second Canadian in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Yes. That's very yeah. important. Um, all the links, the links to your Twitter and to the website, will be in the description of the show. You listeners are a tap away from accessing that. And I highly recommend following Ryan on Twitter. Very interactive during Raptors games. And uh, He's not afraid to be honest. I, I will give you that, man. You are not afraid to be honest. Even if it's brutal sometimes, it is always honest and it's mostly always right. So having said that, thank you for coming on. I'm sure you'll be on again soon. And uh, take it easy, man. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the South of the Six podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at South of the Six and subscribe to our show. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Yeah, we're everywhere. While you're at it, if you liked what you heard, do us a solid and leave us five stars and a quick review. We appreciate it. Thanks again. Go Raptors.